Welcome to Wisdom's Echo, Origin Gate's daily podcast. If you love Wisdom's Echo and want to invest in the lives of our speakers, head to patreon.com slash wisdoms echo, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help us deliver the same impactful content you enjoy. Hello everyone, Dilbin here. I'm so good to speak to you all again and hope you are doing well. Uh, today I'm so excited to share with you what I'm about to share with you um, because uh, this is something that we've been engaging uh, together as a community in Singapore and I don't really have the language for everything that I'm about to share with you today. Uh, actually, I don't even really have a, a good summary for what I'm going to share with you today and we're, we're going to jump about from different different people in the Bible kind of. We're going to go from Elijah to Samuel to Hannah. Um, let's see how this goes, right? But uh, So just bear with me. Uh, I hope this will bless you in some way. Um, but I am really excited to share with you what, what I'm about to share with you. So, so let's just dive into it. Um, I'm going to start off sharing from 1 Kings chapter uh, 19, right? So th- I can't remember if I shared about this before, but this is uh, the story of Elijah after he has defeated um, the, the prophets of Baal, uh, at Mount Carmel, right? And he's running away and Jezebel is threatening his life. And so he decides to to run away. He sits by a tree, gets tired, meets an angel. The angel um, gives him strength and then the angel commands him to, to meet um, um, Yahweh at the mountain of God, right? At Horeb. Okay, so this is where our story starts. Um, and I'm not going to really talk so much about Elijah here, but I want to point out something that he did. There has been such a source of inspiration for for us here, for me, um, really triggered a lot of encounters and a lot of things that we are trying to understand right now. Um, so, and in First Kings, chapter nineteen, verse eleven, right? Um, Elijah reaches the mountain of God and is hide is inside a cave, spending the night in a cave. Okay, and so uh, let's just start from uh, verse nine actually, because I think this this makes the story more complete. Okay, so Elijah, and verse 9 says, And there Elijah went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, Elijah said, I've been very zealous for Yahweh, God of hosts, um, for the king, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Okay. Then he said, he as in God, then God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before Yahweh. And behold, Yahweh passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before Yahweh. But Yahweh was not in the wind. Okay, so there was a wind, and Yahweh was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. Right? And after the earthquake, a fire, but Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Okay, so this, this is just a, a short part of the story, right? But I love what, what is happening here because um, so often we think of great signs as God being there. Right, like when great signs in heaven and earth happened, which they could be, uh, who knows, right? But here there was a there was a wind, there was a fire, and there was an earthquake. But Yahweh was in neither of those three things. Um, then he then he said that after that, after the fire, there was a still small voice. So I really love this 
phrase, a still small voice, because this is not exactly what this says in the Hebrew, right? If you look at the original text or the original language of what this is describing, um, um, the reason why I think this is very fascinating is because we have used a still small voice to describe the voice of God that's speaking inside us. Uh, that, that's okay. No, no problem. Sometimes God does sound kind of small, um, soft, you know, and all that. Uh, but I want to propose that this voice here is not the still small voice um, that we hear just in our imagination. It's not really like that, right? It's not. It's not that God likes to whisper in our hearts. That doesn't make sense. Um, it's, it, and God, um, that's not the essence of God when He speaks to you. So this doesn't really make make sense to me. But when you look at the original text of, of this phrase, a still small voice. There are actually a few Hebrew words there, which I don't really remember what those Hebrew words are. But when we translate it, the, the word still actually means the word quiet, right? And then uh, the, uh, uh, the small voice is actually the word cry. So, so it's, it's not just a still small voice. It was a quiet cry, a quiet de declaration, a quiet voice. Okay, so it, mean, it means that it's a voice that is not heard. So this is this is really fascinating because I want to talk about this with respect to what's actually happening here. There is a voice that is spoken that Elijah hears this voice, right? But in, in it, there is no sound in the physical realm of the earth. That's why it's a quiet voice, a quiet cry. There was a quiet, quiet cry, right? So every voice that is spoken in any realm, right, um, um, has has to have wind carry it, right? So when it says there's a quiet voice, it means that this quiet voice was not carried by the wind of this earth. Okay, so so which means that he actually heard a voice speaking, but the, the voice, the, the, the breath of, of that created this voice was not carried by the winds of the physical realm. It was carried by the winds of a different realm. Which which I believe is the Gah. But but uh, we will we will see if we talk about that. Uh, I I'm I'm not an expert in these things, so so I'm still learning. So but I, I believe this is the gah. And it's the it's the wind that's from a different realm, the ascending wind of Yahweh, right? The ascending whirlwind of Yahweh. It carries the voice of Yahweh, and Yahweh is the voice in that wind. So when it talks about he heard a still small voice, he's not talking about an inner voice, like we hear an inner voice. He's talking about a voice of Yahweh that is in a different realm. Yeah. So it was when Elijah heard this voice, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out. He didn't wrap his face in his mantle because he thought he was going to die if he met God. That doesn't make sense, right? Because the, the 70 elders in, 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 uh, in the time of the desert, where the 70 elders of Israel sat before Yahweh and, and saw him at eight, right? Moses saw him face to face, right? He's not talking about, about, about him. He didn't wrap his face in his mantle because he thought he was going to die. So the question is, why did he wrap his face in his mantle? And I propose to you that 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 there is a, a, a really interesting engagement with Yahweh here that I don't fully have language for, but I'm trying to understand because I think understanding it changes the way we interact with God forever, changes everything that happens, uh, that comes out of our interaction with Yahweh. Yeah, I'll show you this from, from hopefully scripture, I think. Yeah, but here he wrapped his face in his mantle. So when he wrapped his face in his mantle, he's not talking about just covering his face with his cloth. He's taking his mantle, which is which is the responsibility, um, the power of, of 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 what he had, the power that was bestowed on him by God to do what he was supposed to do, to do what he was commanded to do. He took that power, um, maybe you can call it an anointing, which I'm not really sure it's that because even what we understand about the anointing is changing, right? But it's the it's the responsibility and the the power and the authority that God has given him. He took all of that and used it to hide his face. And so what was he doing here, 
right? He took all of that power and responsibility so that he could cause his face to engage Yahweh in a different realm, in a different world where he can engage Yahweh um, in the realm where the voice in the wind has a sound. To engage Yahweh in a realm where the Gah carries the voice of God in the wind. I, I'm saying all this because, because there is this general notion, right? That um, the moment we get power and we get, um, you know, something happens in our life where we have breakthrough and suddenly we pray for people and they get healed or whatever that is, is that we learned before, we instantly use it and think about, oh, what are the people that we are supposed to minister to? Or what are the people that are supposed to help? But, but the idea of all these things, whether it is to, to heal the sick or, or to, to prophesy or to do all these amazing things, right, which we, which we are moving past these things the, the function of these things was not supposed to just give us a gift the function of these things was to enable us to engage Yahweh in a different realm to engage Yahweh in a realm uh, um, that is not of this earth so that we can approach him from this space and, and be able to hear the voice that's inside the gah inside the, the voice that's inside the wind so so it, it's it's like saying that that even everything that we have, every gift that makes Yahweh tangible in our life, everything that, that God has given us so that He can be tangible in our world, we can use it to enter into a different world with, through the veil, right? Where, as we've been taught, to enter the different world, to engage Yahweh in that world. And I, I think that's what makes our prayers so ineffective because we are trying to engage Yahweh from this side, from, in, from our world, right? To engage Yahweh without hearing the voice that's inside the gah. We just want to talk to Him here on our level. And that's the issue here. That's the issue that, that, that we are facing. And so I, I just love what Elijah did here. Like what Elijah did was take everything that he had, everything that, that, that gave him identity, power, authority, and used it to engage Yahweh, to hear from Yahweh the intention and desire of Yahweh so that he could hear it in, 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 his, in his fullest degree, fullest, in his fullest extent, right? And so, so to kind of illustrate this, it, it, I think it might be surprising, right, to kind of illustrate what's happening here. But what I want to do is to, to share with you about about why I think learning to do this is so impactful. I don't fully understand how to engage Yahweh in the Gah. I don't understand this at all. But I feel that there is something here that is so, so we need to go after. Uh, even as a body, you know, we need to, we, I feel like we need to understand. I'm so glad we can go, go at this together. There's so many people talking about this now and I'm so excited about this. So, so uh, to kind of illustrate why we need to go after this, I want to talk, bring us to, to Hannah, who is Samuel's mother. And, and there is so much I want to say about Hannah because, because ever since we encountered this and ever since I encountered Hannah, like things have been so different for me. Um, uh, the way that I perceive certain things uh, and certain aspects of God are so different now. And I don't really have the time to talk about all these things. Maybe in a later podcast, we'll talk about all these things. Uh, but Hannah is so fascinating to me. This, this woman is so amazing. And I, I just feel that she's one of those uh, unsung heroes that, that are in the Bible that, that, that people rarely talk about. Uh, because all we, she thought that, we, I mean, we, 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 we thought that all she did was give up her son. But, but she really did uh, so much more that I think it's so powerful. So, so to kind of um, talk about Hannah, which I only have about a couple of minutes left, talk about Hannah, I want to show you that she engaged something very similar to what Elijah engaged. And uh, what I will say is, um, we will start from, from verse 8. Um, okay, but, but the idea is that Hannah is one of the wives, um, the second wife, uh, if I'm not wrong, of, um, of, uh, of, uh, of Elkanah. Elkanah is, this, is the father of Samuel, right? But, they, but, they have a, but she didn't have a child. So, so um, Elkanah, the husband, loved Hannah more than she loved his other wife, um, which his other wife is, is Pen, Penana, Penina? Penina. Penina means rubies and Hannah means, means grace. So, so her husband, 
loved grace more than she he loved rubies, right? And so he loved grace. And and it's this power of grace that's so interesting to me. So so um Hannah has been unable to give birth. And Elkanah goes to Hannah and says, you know, why are you, this is verse 8, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Okay, so in verse 9, so Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Shiloh is the place where they went to worship Yahweh, right? And now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of Yahweh. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord, prayed to Yahweh and wept in anguish. Right, this Hannah weeping in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Yahweh of hosts, if you will look indeed look at the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant and will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to Yahweh all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. Okay, And it happened as she continued to pray before Yahweh that Eli watched her mouth. And now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Then Eli thought she was drunk. Remember, remember, we, we think that Hannah was so grieved that she could not speak. But I, I'm, I'm proposing to you, she's not doing this. She's not so grieved. She's, it's not because she's grieved. That's why she cannot speak out loud. She is speaking to God in a different realm. Remember, we talked about Elijah and he, he said that Elijah right, heard a quiet cry. Hannah, Hannah, was releasing a quiet cry. A cry that was not carried by the winds of this earth. It was carried by the winds of a different realm. So she could engage God in a different realm and she could engage God in the Gah, right? So then, which this is so, then I can show you why. And then, so it says, so Elijah said to her, how, uh, Elijah, sorry, I'm sorry. Eli, Eli. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink but have poured my soul out before Yahweh. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And here's the most amazing part. And then she said, and then Hannah said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went on her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. She hasn't given birth. How does she know that, that she was going to get her prayer answered? How did she go from being so grieved, right, apparently that she couldn't speak, to suddenly the moment she prayed and she, and she spoke to Yahweh, she was no longer sad. I, I'm saying this is really amazing. It, it changes the way we engage Yahweh because we really like to pray to Yahweh from this realm and saying, okay, let's ask God for this and etc, etc. But she's learned, she learned to speak to God in the Gah, when she learned to speak to God in the Gah, the wind, right, of a different realm, right? She knew what was going to happen even before it happened. That's why she was no longer sad. You're only no longer sad if you know that your prayer is going to be answered. And she knew her prayer was going to be answered because she spoke to Yahweh in a different realm. And I'm, I'm saying this is, I think this realm is available for us because as a body, we are engaging the Gah and the Shin Gado and there's all this stuff that's really exciting happening that, that, that people like Ian have been leading us in and I'm so excited, I'm so thankful for this and I just feel that there is, there is um, oh, that, that, that we are engaging a, a different realm or that we're learning to engage Yahweh in a different realm and, and to speak to God in the Gah because when we do that, then we know that even when things don't happen in the, in the physical Everything we already know what's going to happen once we engage Yahweh in the spirit, and and I hope I hope this this kind of breaks because in, in the end when Samuel first en engages engages Yahweh when Yahweh first first speaks to Samuel right 
Yahweh speaks to Samuel through the gah. Right? You can, you can see he heard a voice that sounded like it was far off, but when he paid attention to it, suddenly he realized it was right there. It was a voice that was not carried by wind. Uh, not carried by the winds of this earth, but carried by the winds of a different realm. Yeah. And so, and so I hope this, this encourages us. Like, I, there is real substance to what we've been engaging, even as a tribe. And I'm really, really so excited for us. And I, I just hope that even in my own life, I want to engage this more so that I can begin to engage um, Yahweh the, in the place where he dwells, which is inside the Gah. <laughs> so I'm not sure how, I can, how to land this, but, but I hope this uh, inspired you and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for listening.